0: Good morning and welcome in. It is In Defense of the Big 12. He's Brad Kellner in Austin, Texas. I'm Tyler McComas in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. We all, we hope that you all had a, a very, very great Thanksgiving. Well, at least I do. I don't know about BK. I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. He probably hoped that it kind of sucked over the weekend. If you were a Texas fan and a Dallas Cowboys fan, it, it really did suck over the uh, Thanksgiving weekend. But you know what we do here. We talk Big 12 football exclusively Big 12 basketball is underway. Maybe we'll hit a few nuggets from that, but we want you to join us in the comment section. Fill up those questions. And, uh, boy, let's just get right into it. Texas and Iowa State on Friday morning, Black Friday. What a a game it was. Texas jumps out 10-0, and you're saying to yourself, here goes Iowa State again, falling flat on the big stage. I'm just going to kind of like sit back and kind of let you have the floor (laughs) in terms of what you thought happened on Friday in Austin.
1: Oh man. Where to begin? Where to begin? I mean, you're dead right. Uh, that was literally, I picked Texas to win this game by a field goal on the show. And the main reason I picked the Longhorns to win had more to do with the history of Iowa state than it had to do with Texas, right? You felt like these teams were evenly matched. Vegas had this one as a pick'em game. I think it opened up Texas, a two point favorite, but by the yeah. time kickoff rolled around on Friday, it was a pick'em game, which I thought was very, very accurate. You felt like if you've watched these two teams play, Probably pretty evenly matched, but I just kind of figured, okay, Texas is 14-3 and all-time against Iowa State. They've only lost once to the Cyclones in Austin. And more than that, Iowa State's been in a very similar situation in each of the last three years, right? The most identical situation, or at least the most similar situation to this year was in 2018 when Iowa State came to Austin, second to last game of the season, a de facto Big 12 semifinal game, and Iowa State absolutely laid an egg. I mean, Texas won that game 24-10. to It was 24-3 to until the final couple of minutes of the fourth quarter. And I don't think Texas played all that well. I just thought Iowa State's game plan was trash, and they looked like the moment was too big for them. And that's always been Iowa State, right? I mean, more often than not, Iowa State's not even close to this situation. But Matt Campbell-era Iowa State has been in the mix to at least get to the Big 12 championship game in each of the last three seasons. And they've come up short in every single big moment. So I kind of thought that would happen again. And yeah, I mean, it looked like in the first quarter that maybe the moment was a little bit too big for Iowa State. Texas went up early. The Longhorns scored 13 points in the first quarter. It looked like they had things rolling and had a good chance to kind of win this game and win this game comfortably. But, you know, credit Iowa State. I mean, they made some big plays down the stretch. Obviously, their final offensive possession of the game was huge. Five plays, 69 yards in less than two minutes. I mean, they marched down the field with ease and they struggled in the red zone all game long. But on the most important possession of the football game, they found a way to punch it in. So you give them a lot of credit there. But man, I mean, I think this is more same old, same old for Texas. More of the Longhorns shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, The Longhorns have played in 22 one-possession games since 2018, which is more than anybody in college football And when you fly that close to the sun, as often as Texas does, ultimately you're going to get burned from time to time. And all three losses for Texas this year have been by one possession, and it feels like, oh, one coaching decision here, one coaching decision there, one play here, one play there. And this team could be undefeated with a chance at the college football playoff, but instead they've got three losses, and it feels like the Tom Herman era here in Austin could be coming to an end. Yeah,
0: sometimes I think we're way too hard on head coaches. Like we give we fault them for losses that maybe at the end of the day weren't as much of their fault as maybe we think. Maybe it's more personnel related. But in a game like that, I mean, I I think it lands squarely on the shoulders of Tom Herman. I think that they came out and had a great game plan, so give him credit for that. But also fault him for for the fall that happened, especially offensively for the next three quarters. And I can't get over two different calls by him throughout the game. One is he had an opportunity in the second half to take a field goal and said he goes for it on fourth and uh, fourth down, and they come up short. And of course, the fake punt as well, that was a complete disaster. Wasn't Texas up by seven when they tried to fake that punt? Is that right?
1: Um, that was, let me think of the situation. I know it was after Deshaun Jameson kickoff return. And it might have been four, it might have been seven. I don't know. Texas was up. They got a good kickoff. Regardless, kick off. they had the lead. They yeah, had the lead. Yeah, they got a good kickoff return to midfield. They couldn't do anything with it, right? They only got two yards on three plays. And if you are going to try a fake punt, that's the spot of the field where you're going to try it, right? I mean, you're you're in between the 40s. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that obviously didn't work. And it was funny. They were up 20 to 13 when that okay. happened. Good call then. Good call yeah. then. Yeah. It was after Iowa State kicked a field goal. So it was 13 to 10 at halftime. Texas got the ball first. They march down the field. They score a touchdown their only points in the second half. It's 20-10. to 10, Iowa State gets the ball. They kick a field goal. So, yeah, after that kickoff, return to midfield, and then, yeah, fourth down and eight. You've got a backup punter in there, right? Dicker, the kicker, is doing the punting because your yep. starting punter, Ryan Buczewski, got hurt uh, a couple of weeks ago. And Tom Herman said in the post-game press conference that the play was there, but Cameron Dicker made the wrong decision. It's like, damn, coach, you're going to throw your <laughs> – Right?
0: Hunter. that sounded like Mike McCarthy. He was okay. like, well, I mean, it was a great call. It was the right call. It's the call that should happen. It just didn't work out. Yeah. And look,
1: I watched it again this morning and you know there, that Roshan Johnson ran a quarter corner routes that was to the sticks, maybe even a little bit beyond the sticks. And if Cameron Dicker holds the football for another half second, I mean, he's absolutely there there was a Iowa state defensive player or a special teamer who was kind of in limbo, right? He had to choose between staying deep to cover Roshan Johnson or coming up to cover Cade Brewer and the throw went to Cade Brewer. The Iowa state guy made the right decision. He tackled Cade Brewer a couple of yards short of the line to gain. Um, but you know, that, that's a tough thing to ask. Right. And, and for Cameron Dicker, I mean that throw to Roshan Johnson, the ball would have been in the air for more than 20 yards. That's a tough throw for a kicker to make, I would assume. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, the decision obviously did not work for Texas, and it's weird. You can't go into the post-game press conference and say the play was there when it didn't work. That seems like a bad bit. Uh, You know, I, I didn't love it by any stretch, and, like, playing field position would have been the smarter move right there, right pinning Iowa State deep. But I will give the Texas defense credit. They did hold the Cyclones to just a field goal on that next drive. And I think part of that decision was Tom Herman trusting his defense, which had done a really, really good job throughout the game. I mean, the Texas defense yeah. did great until that final drive, obviously the most important possession drive of the game. But uh, I guess that was Tom Herman showing some trust in his defense, but uh, yeah, it did not work. What, what, okay. So as a
0: Texas fan, like, is that what Texas fan, I mean, there's plenty of reasons why they're upset today. And I understand that, but it is maybe the most frustrating thing is like, a chance to get back, like a chance to salvage the season, right? Like that was the chance to maybe make this season some sort of a success after all the crap that happened early on. And in the end, it's just kind of the same
1: old shit happened once again. That's why you lost. I mean, how
0: how big of a frustration is that with this loss? Yeah.
1: Oh, there's a ton of that. I mean, the last two games against Iowa State were very, very similar in terms of how they finished, right? I mean, last year up in Ames. Texas gets the football back with 4:01 on the clock. They've got a chance to put the game away with a couple of first downs, and the Longhorns go three and out. They punt the ball back to Iowa State. Iowa State marches down the field. They kick a game-winning field goal as time expires. They win the football game by two. This year, very similar situation. Texas gets the football back with just over four minutes to go, right? What felt like a kind of questionable decision by Matt Campbell to punt the football back to Texas. Like if Texas picks up a couple of first downs – Iowa State's offense never sees the ball again, and Texas wins the football game, and there's Iowa State. I mean, there's probably a lot of Cyclones fans questioning Matt Campbell, whether or not he's a big-game coach, whether or not his decision-making in these games is going to be good enough for Iowa State to ever get over the hump. But Texas gets the ball back. What do they do? They go three and out. They punt the football back to the Cyclones. Iowa State marches down the field. They get the go-ahead touchdown with relative ease. So, yeah, I mean, it feels like in a lot of these games – that te- coaching decisions end up costing Texas. And once again, a ton of one possession games for the Longhorns, right? They they don't play to a standard. They play to their competition. You know they've got more talent on paper yeah. than every team in this conference, maybe outside of Oklahoma. And honestly, Texas has recruited better than Oklahoma in the Tom Herman era. So you can make the case that, you know, talent-wise, at least on paper – this is not taking development into consideration. We know that's a huge issue here in Austin. But on paper, it feels like Texas should be able to not only beat the likes of Iowa State and West Virginia and Oklahoma State and really every other team outside of Oklahoma on a consistent basis, but beat them relatively consistently. And that has not happened in the Tom Herman era at Texas. I mean, it, it, like Brees Hall said it in his postgame comments, and I
0: think he tweeted it out after the game too. I mean, it, it is. It's harsh, but it's right. He's like five-star culture against five-star players. I mean, that's yeah. – there's there, I, there, there's no other way to say it when, yeah, dude. I mean, and, and Oklahoma's had their struggles against Iowa State too. I mean, there's no – I mean, Iowa State's beat him two out of the last four years. Um, of course, they beat him this year, but I just – yeah, five-star culture against five-star players. Iowa State has a five-star culture right now, and it's good enough to beat the talent level of Texas and really even compete against Oklahoma right now. So give yeah. them a lot of
1: credit. Oh, you have to, man. And these are some numbers I looked up before the start of this season, but just the job that Matt Campbell has done at Iowa State has been nothing short of remarkable, right? Just think about what Iowa State was before he got there, and also what Iowa State has been over their program's history. I mean, going into this year, right, four years removed at Iowa State, or at least four years into his tenure at Iowa State, he was 26 and 15, which doesn't sound like much, but – Three straight winning seasons going into this season, which hadn't happened at Iowa State since 76 to 78. Three straight winning conference seasons. Iowa State only had one winning season in the Big 12 before Matt Campbell got there. Now they're going to have four in a row, right? It was three going into the year, but obviously it's going to be four in a row now. And since 1959, only five Iowa State teams finished top three in the conference. It's going to be three years in a row for Iowa State, for Matt Campbell, that he's going to accomplish that With Iowa State and obviously they have a chance to win their first conference championship since 1912 since Woodrow Wilson was president of the United States. So you've got to give Iowa State a ton of credit. And yeah, I mean, that five star comment. I mean, Matt Campbell echoed that too. And they actually said it during the broadcast. So some of those comments were made even before the game, Matt Campbell talking about his culture, but he's dead on. I mean, it is a five star culture at Iowa State right now. And it's unbelievably impressive what he's doing. I mean, it really is. For them to beat Texas and Oklahoma in the same year is absolutely remarkable, considering the resources and the facilities and everything that Texas and Oklahoma have, and considering the lack of what Iowa State has up there, it's Mm -hmm. just absolutely remarkable what Matt Campbell has been able to do. So obviously, I mean, Texas being the program Texas is, uh, the the bigger storylines nationally are going to be. Where do the Longhorns go from here? What happens to Tom Herman? Is Urban Meyer coming to town? Uh, Man, do not lose sight and I know folks who watch this podcast probably won't, don't lose sight of the job Matt Campbell has done and the job sure. Iowa State's been able to do this year. Obviously, they got to win against West Virginia to guarantee themselves a shot in Arlington, but it feels like they should win that one. And, then man, a chance to do something that, once again, they haven't done in more than a century. So now the big conversation
0: comes out of the lost Friday for Texas. It looks like Herman is a dead man walking. It's almost a foregone conclusion, it seems like, that – He's going to be fired. The question now is, will they get Urban Meyer or not? And if they can't get Urban Meyer, who's the next guy that's in there? Yeah. Um, you want to hit that now, or do you want to get some of these comments first? Because we got a ton of people there. Because it's probably going to be a pretty
1: long conversation. I'll leave it up to you. Uh, I'll let's hit some comments here. All right. Um, you see anything? You see anything that you like? You uh,
0: well, me. by the way, welcome to the stream, Rock Westfall. We appreciate you uh, following us. So we're here Mondays and Thursdays, ten a.m. We love to for you to be more of a. Uh, more of a fixture in this thing about that one. With trust fund punk spoiled brat. Is that, is that their first comment? If that's their first comment, that's
1: a hell of a way to jump into the chat. <laughs> now their second
0: comment, right? <laughs> second
1: <there>. comment. Here's <laughs> the first one. I'll pop that one on the screen right now. Now you're the Oklahoma fan, right? You're the supposed yeah. Texas hater here on this show. So I'll, uh I'll leave that one to you. The trust fund, the trust fund punk, spoiled brat of college football. You buy that? Um, I
0: mean, we have a certain perception of what not only the Texas, what the university of Texas is, but what the Texas fan is. And yeah, that is, that is the perception here is that it's look at all this money we have, look at all what these resources that we have. But at the end of the day, it doesn't translate to all that much, you know, it again, it's harsh, but if you look at the past decade, it's fair. And and not even that I, not to, you know, not to make this worse on you, but I was looking at, the last four decades of, of Texas football and from 2000 to 2010, the record was was really good. Matt Brown won a lot of games there. But if you look at the 90s, if you look at the 80s and you look at the past decade, the, the records have not been good. And I'm not insisting that Texas is a bad job or anything like that, but it was just kind of like, wow, the last 40 years for Texas football isn't as good as you necessarily would, would, would think that it was.
1: Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. I mean, more often than not, they have been disappointing in terms of the national big picture aspect of college football. Obviously what Mac Brown was able to pull off during the aughts of the two thousands was remarkable. I mean, 10 win seasons seemingly every year, won a national championship, played for another national championship. I mean, BCS bowl after BCS bowl after BCS bowl, but that has kind of been the minority for this Texas football program since DKR left. So Yeah. I mean, look, as a Texas fan, obviously it hurts to say I'm not going to bag on uh, on this fan base. I'm not going to bag on my city too much. But look, I I know that's not a an independent thought by Rock Westfall or by you by any stretch of the imagination. And look, I mean, we got to wear it as Texas fans right now. There's no doubt about it. It's been an embarrassing decade. And the hope was that Tom Herman would be able to turn things around and people really felt optimistic after the Sugar Bowl season. 2 years ago right 10 wins beating Georgia in a New Year's Six Bowl obviously make your jokes about Sam Ellinger making the we're back comments on the stage after that game I mean it felt like things were trending in the right direction and look Texas fans got a little bit excited and they got a little bit ahead of themselves and clearly the last 2 years has been a regression to the norm for uh for the Longhorns so yeah I mean it's uh look I I can't argue those comments too much and it's you know you got to wear it right now if you're a Texas fan there's no doubt about it Harrison says,
0: do y'all think if this situation would have happened in a year where the Big 12 was better with more complete teams, that we would be telling a different story regarding Herman? I mean, I I don't know. I thought that this year was kind of thought of that way Um, for a majority of the year. Kansas State ended up being a pretty good football team. Oklahoma State, I mean, you had West Virginia's better than I think most of us thought that they were going to be. So maybe this was that year, but even if that's the case, even if it's not the case, I think that the, the story would be still be the same because look, the situation doesn't change. Yeah, Texas still recruits better than everybody in the conference, I mean, pretty much even Oklahoma on a year and year out basis. There's no there's no reason. It is has Matt Campbell gotten Iowa State to a level that it's never been before? Absolutely. Is Chris Kleiman doing some impressive things at Kansas State? Absolutely. Is Mike Gundy the most successful? Head coach at Oklahoma State, absolutely. But still, if you're the head coach at Texas, you should never lose consistently to those three schools. It should just never happen. You've got more resources, better facilities, you have better players. There's no, you can lose to them every once in a while, sure, but consistently, that that shouldn't happen. That should yeah.
1: Happen. I don't disagree. Right, Texas was fourteen and three against Iowa State going into the game on Friday. They had never lost to Iowa State in back-to-back years, and obviously that changed with the results from Black Friday. Yeah, you know, there's so much that goes into this conversation, right? I mean, it's not only on-the-field issues with Tom Herman. The whole Eyes of Texas debacle after the Oklahoma game, I mean, that pissed so many people off. And and to a lot of folks, and even me as a Texas grad and as a lifetime Longhorn fan, like I I didn't quite understand why people got so upset and so worked up about the situation. But a lot of big-money donors, a lot of very, very important people, Uh, within the university of Texas or who support the university of Texas were so pissed off and and to them and to a lot of folks like that was kind of the point of no return. So that's a part of this conversation as well. But man, I mean, Texas has, you've got a senior quarterback and a guy you feel like is the best quarterback you've had in a decade, a guy who's setting school records and Sam Ellinger. You've got unbelievable talent right before the season, 24 seven sports did a composite talent ranking in which they looked at, these are all their high school recruiting rankings, right? So these don't take college development into consideration, but just on paper, high school recruiting rankings, Texas had the fifth, fifth most talented roster in all of college football going into the season behind Georgia, Bama, Ohio state and Clemson. So you're talking about big dogs who have made the playoff consistently, who have won national championships in Alabama and Clemson's case. Like that's, that's the talent that Texas had on paper going into this season. Plus, they had a lot of experience, 16 returning starters back from last year's squad. And then you combine that with, look, it's a down Big 12, Tyler. Yeah, I mean, this conference it. has been out of CFP contention for like a month now. We've known for a long time that this conference is not going to be playing in the college football playoff. So it's a down year. You feel like Oklahoma has maybe its worst team in five years. I know they've turned things around, but still, you, you know, sure. Oklahoma losing two games in the first two weeks of conference play. Like, when the hell does that ever happen? And, you know, Oklahoma State has failed to live up to some of the expectations. Like, it feels like this is a down year for the league. So you combine all of that stuff together, and, yeah, it kind of feels like Tom Herman's fate is sealed. To answer your question, Harrison, maybe, right, if the Big 12 was better, if Oklahoma's a one-loss team, uh, if Iowa State didn't lose to Louisiana Lafayette to start the season, like, maybe that helps Herman's case in a little bit. But uh, I- I'm not quite sure it really does or really saves saves space for him completely.
0: Um, Spartan Barton, he's always he's already throwing out coaches to different places. Matt Campbell to Michigan, Texas should hire Todd Grantham, Chip Kelly to Texas, Kirby Smart. Uh, the missed kick by Dickert, real quick. I thought there was no way that Dicker was going to have enough leg for that field goal. He had enough leg. Oh, that dude. was a hell of an impressive attempt by him.
1: It that was. thing would have been good from 85. That's what, <laughs> that's what all the announcers say. No, that thing, I mean, that thing would have been good from 62 probably. I mean, a 57-yard field goal. He had enough distance, but uh, obviously that thing hooked left at the last second. And, dude, I mean, if this isn't and, – and maybe this goes to the spoiled brat comment from uh, Rock Westfall earlier – I mean, if this isn't if this isn't a microcosm of the Texas program, and I think this is maybe a little bit symbolic of Texas fans thinking they're better and more important than they actually are. Uh, After Dicker missed that kick, the cannon was fired. No serious. Went in and then Craig Way, voice of the Longhorns, legendary voice of the Longhorns. He actually said on his radio broadcast that it was good. Oh, no. Like he very quickly corrected himself and he did about as good of a job as you could possibly do of saving face in that situation. Mm. But he thought the kick was in too. And that kick was kicked into the South end zone at DKR where all the renovations are going on. So there are no fans there. The only people in that area are like stadium staff and I guess construction workers who were given tickets because they're working uh, on that South end zone. And some of them like put their hands up in celebration so I think that confused Craig Way, and I think that confused the Cowboys or whoever the hell was firing the cannon. Uh, and that's, you know, I, I, I'm sure a lot of Longhorn haters will have some fun with both of those things happening.
0: Uh, I want to get to one more comment by Harrison, one more by Rock Westfall. Harrison, uh, who's Drew Grissett? Who Who's that?
1: Oh, Drew Gressett. He's, yeah, uh, yeah that's He's on the the Final Four team for Texas basketball in 0-3. Didn't okay. play a whole lot for that squad, but uh, he actually owns, or I think he created Hat Creek Burger Company, which is a pretty popular burger chain in Austin. And I think it's expanded uh, throughout the state of Texas as well.
0: Nice. Uh, yeah. I, I, Oh, made the final four in Oh two, Texas made the final four in Oh three. And then Oklahoma state in Four. Look at the big 12, big 12, the basketball program. We have, no, no, Kansas. Uh, well, I guess Tech played for the national championship a couple years ago, but this conference got to get uh, some Final Four teams back in it. Man. Oh, Come
1: hey, on. this is this is the year, baby. I mean, we'll we'll spend some time in the future yeah. talking about Big Twelve basketball, but uh, this is a really, really deep and talented conference. Oh,
0: look, we can buy followers, primes, and viewers on some spam site right there. there. Go. Oh, hell yeah! Look I'll put at that. that on the screen from and- F. Epic Billy <laughs> Boo
1: 1235. <laughs> Hell yeah. Okay. Love it. Hey, that means we're blowing up. If we're getting spam comments, that means know, we're doing man. something right, baby. I love know, to see man. that. Um, so what
0: well by the way, Sam Cosme has has opted out. There are rumors, internet rumors, that Sam Ellinger is going to opt out. And I'll be honest with you, when I once I saw that yesterday and I started getting text about it. I said, there's no way that this is true. Like, if anybody on that team is not going to opt out, regardless of the bad situation, whatever, I just, I have a hard time believing Sam Ellinger is going to opt out in the last two games.
1: Yeah, I have an impossible time believing that Sam Ellinger is going to opt out of these last two regular season games. And then. And the, the rumor board... is
0: that he hates Tom Herman, and that's why he wants to opt out. I mean, maybe he hates Tom Herman, I don't know. But he loves Texas. He'll he'll stay and play his last two
1: games. Yeah, no question. No doubt about that. He, he loves Texas way too much. I haven't seen any credible source even hint towards that being an actual thing. So, yeah, internet rumors for Sam Ellinger. Sam Cosme is true, though. I mean, he tweeted that out himself that he's opting out of the last – couple of games of this Texas season. I mean, I hate it. I always hate it. I get crap for this take and look, I I understand why players do this, but I just hate when guys opt out, whether it's for bowl games or whether it's for the last couple of games of a regular season, but I totally understand it. I mean, Sam Cosme is a likely first round pick in April's NFL draft. Uh, He's got enough stuff on film and look, Texas doesn't have a whole lot to play for over these last couple of games, right? They're pretty much out of big 12 conference championship contention uh like I I don't know if doing anything against this year's K-State or this year's Kansas is gonna help you a whole lot if you're Sam Cosme. So doesn't wanna risk getting hurt, doesn't wanna risk getting COVID. I totally understand it. I'm grateful that more guys don't opt out year in and year out, right? Like I'm I'm almost surprised we don't see when when teams lose, especially at like big time programs, when teams lose their second game so they can't win a conference champ or a national championship. Or if they lose maybe their second or third game in conference play to where it's like it's obvious that they're not going to win their conference championship. I'm almost surprised we don't see this happen more, to be quite honest. But I don't think a lot of Longhorn fans are going to be too critical of Sam Cosby. He's brought a lot to this program and he's, uh, you know, doesn't want to risk uh, missing out on a first round pick opportunity. Rock Westfall says it all changed
0: when DeLoss Dodd stepped down. You agree with that? I mean mm. there was a lot of turnover at AD and pre- I mean a lot of things were going on after D- the loss odds. That- yeah, I mean
1: look this this whole athletic department has been a disaster over the yeah. last 10 years, right? I mean you've gone through four athletic directors, you've gone through uh you know, now about to be four college football coaches. Uh, you had to make a change with basketball as well when your basketball program has been underachieving no, Augie Garrido got to the College World Series in 2015, I think. But like the end of his tenure at Texas baseball wasn't great. And then, you know, I don't know. I mean, the big three at Texas just have not been good for the last decade, just based off Texas standards. And yeah, the timing of that is kind of falls in line to when the lost odds step down as the AD here. So maybe you can make some parallels there. No question. So what's the latest on
0: Urban Meyer? Any new developments or just is it just wait and see right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've read a lot uh, over the last couple of days and reached out to a lot of folks who are more in the know than I am. Uh, you know, Texas can't make Urban Meyer take this job, but they can make this as enticing as possible. Sure. And I think the Longhorns are going to do whatever they can to get Urban Meyer. They're going to make him the highest paid coach in college football by far. They're going to pay his assistants extremely well as well. I mean, Texas fans are desperate and big money donors are absolutely desperate to fire Tom Herman. Number one. I mean, even like that's obviously a huge question and we can get to that here in a second, but like what happens if Texas can't get urban Meyer, right? If urban Meyer says no, then what do you do with Tom Herman? But I think there's a lot of folks who are just so ready to be done with Tom Herman that it doesn't matter really what you do or who you bring in. Like that's priority number one, but urban Meyer, I mean, there's never been a time in Texas football history where this many people were in favor of going out and getting one guy, right? Even with Nick Saban a decade ago, where Texas screwed that up, like people love Mac Brown so much that uh, they didn't want to tarnish his legacy. And some people wanted to keep Mac Brown around for a few more years. And then some people were like, "Ah, well, Mac was so good. Do we really want Nick Saban to come in and one up him? Like, do we want to do this to Mac and when Mac was hired, I mean, there were people who wanted Gary Barnett from Northwestern to be the head coach at Texas. So, like, the athletic department has never been this aligned to go out and get one guy. So, Texas is going to do all it can to go get Urban Meyer. Uh, there are a few important people in this decision-making. I, I think Urban Meyer wants to take this Texas job. I really you think do. He, You think he wants it? I think he wants it. But yeah. the doctors have to say yes, and I do think we make a lot of jokes about the health issues that seem to pop up every time when of urban Myers program is programs is coming into the national spotlight for the wrong reasons. Uh, but I think the doctors, there are real health issues there. So the doctors have to say it's okay for him to coach. And I think his wife and his family has to give him sure. the okay to go coach. But if you're getting offered $10 million a year or more, then I think, uh, you know, sometimes those, uh, those numbers will offset what the doctors and the family has to say. So, Texas is going to do whatever they can to go get Urban Meyer. They can't make him say yes, but they can make this very difficult for him to say no. And uh, I think there's a good chance it happens.
0: So you asked me like what the Oklahoma fan perspective is on the spoiled trust fund kid or whatever. Well, the Oklahoma perspective on this Urban Meyer hire is, okay, holy crap, because he's the one guy that will go in there and tell the big money donors and all the politics that go there to basically piss off. (laughs) <laughs> like, I'm not I'm not doing this. Like, the thought is, Matt Campbell's a good coach, right? Obviously, Matt Campbell's a good coach. But the thought around here is that if Matt Campbell went to Texas, they would chew him up and spit him out down there. The thought around Matt Campbell going to Texas is that he's basically Shaka Smart 2.0, yeah. is that he can recruit his way and develop his way like Shaka did at VCU, but there's pressure once you come to Texas to recruiting the – more of the big-name kids, you know, down south, right? And, and maybe you can't do it your way like you did in the past. So, yeah, there's this thought of you bring in anybody else, they'll just – they'll chew this guy up and spit him out and all this stuff. Yeah. But if you get Urban Meyer, if you get Urban Meyer, that guy's got skins on the wall, and he doesn't care. He doesn't need this job. He may want this job, but he doesn't necessarily need it. And he'll tell all those big-money boosters to go get lost. And more than anything – That's what Texas needs as a head coach. That's the perspective here about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's the guy you got to get, right? You cannot screw this up if you're Texas. Once again, you can't make Urban Meyer say yes, but man, you got to do whatever you possibly can to make him not say no to this thing. And I agree with you. I mean, Texas can't hire the flavor of the month anymore. They've done that the last two times, right? With Charlie Strong and then with Tom Herman, and it didn't work. So now you have to go out and hire an established, proven winner, a guy who has done it, at a blue blood level, right? Not a guy who won at Louisville, not a guy who won for a couple of years at Houston, a guy who has won at the highest levels of college football, and Urban is the second best coach of this century, right, of this generation behind only Nick Saban. So, yeah, and he's the guy who could just tell everybody to F off. And ultimately, I mean, if Tom Herman was able to win, like, that was a huge mistake Tom Herman made, and that's something Mac Brown did really well. He, he, he was in the know, and he had great relationships with important people with boosters, with big money donors. Mack Brown did a phenomenal job of the politics at the University of Texas, and that's why it was so tough to fire him. And Texas had to, bring really in long in, sure. they had to bring in Steve Patterson to yeah. fire the guy because everybody loved him so much. And they didn't bring in Nick Saban because they loved Mac Brown so much and they didn't want to tarnish his legacy. And it doesn't seem like Tom Herman's a very likable guy. Tom Herman, no. Tom Herman has not done that. And it's weird because Tom Herman was here when Mac Brown was here, right, as a GA in the late 90s, and Tom Herman is friends with Mac Brown, and Mac Brown was at Tom Herman's introductory press conference. Like, you, you would think Tom Herman would have learned those type of things from Mac Brown, but he didn't, and that makes it way easier to fire him. Now, despite all that, you can still be a jerk, to the big money dooster, big money boosters and the donors. If you're winning games, yeah, and you're beating Oklahoma and you're winning conference championships. But when you're not doing any of that stuff and you're a jerk to the important people, it makes it very, very easy to fire you. So yeah, the combination of those things did Tom Herman in. And yeah, Herb Meyer, kind of a jerk. And his programs are not run in the cleanest of fashions, but he wins when? games. And yep. this fan base. Uh, it is so desperate at this point that uh, it's like, hey, well, that's that's fine. You got to bring in Urban Meyer, and well, if he wins, then sometimes all that other stuff kind of goes by the wayside, whether you Well, like it or has, it. because remember when all that stuff happened
0: with Urban at Ohio State and he stepped down after the Rose Bowl, USC was thinking about firing Clay Hilton and they wanted Urban Meyer. There was a whole lot of smoke around that. And there were a whole lot of people on social media saying, oh my God, USC, you would stoop that low to hire Urban Meyer after all of this. And time heals everything, man. And and, and time has healed all of this with Urban Meyer. Maybe there will be a couple stories written about what happened with Urban Meyer at Ohio State or whatever, but enough time has passed where Texas can hire Urban Meyer with a pretty clear conscience on this. And and you know what? I, I don't think that they should let that get in the way of pursuing urban Meyer. And clearly they haven't let that get in the way of it. So, yeah. I mean, you
1: look around all of college sports, right? I mean, guys get second chances despite cheating allegations, despite running unclean programs, despite any of this stuff, right? Just about everybody who has ever done anything wrong. I mean, Rick Pitino is still coaching college basketball. Like look at what that guy has done over the years. So, more often than not, guys will get opportunities. And look, there, there are some Texas fans, like just checking social media and talking to some folks, there are some Texas fans who are against hiring Urban Meyer because of the stuff that you just mentioned. But are those voices going to be loud enough to make that not happen? No, absolutely not.
0: Yeah. Uh, Harrison says, does Urban Meyer to Texas make other fan bases nervous that this could turn the corner for the program? I think for Oklahoma fans, yeah, if, if Texas were to hire Urban Meyer, it'd kind of be like, okay, let's gear up for a little bit of a fight here. Like, let, let's go. So I think that now, if you're looking at it from the big picture, I, I think that this would I think that this would drastically help the narrative of the Big 12 conference. Because like it, love it, hate it. Right now, people nationally think that the conference is somewhat of a joke. Yeah. I think the Pac-12 was looked at as more of a joke right now, but people still poke and, and make fun of the Big 12. If Texas were to get Urban Meyer and Urban Meyer were to do some nice things at Texas, it would help the overall thought of this conference. Now, what does that get you? Well, I think it helps you in some recruiting battles because Texas and Oklahoma right now, especially for defensive players, they're having a tough time fighting the narrative on the recruiting trail. Because if A&M or LSU or Alabama or whoever in the SEC are in on a defensive kid and Oklahoma and Texas are in on them, the easy narrative is to say, well, do you want to go to the NFL? Look at our conference track record against the Big 12's track record. And a lot of times, just that in itself works. So I do think Urban Meyer to Texas would raise the alarm of Oklahoma fans and everybody else in the conference. But I think that the high tide that that would bring – might elevate Oklahoma's play a little bit, Hmm. might elevate some other teams in the rest of the conference as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's another problem with Tom Herman, right? The recruiting has fallen off. You know, Tom Herman has recruited really well over the last couple of years at Texas. And this year's class, the class of 2021, is outside of the top 15. And the 2022 class is not looking good. Obviously, you had the Quinn Ewers situation where he commits to Texas. And then less than three months later, he flips his commitment to Ohio State. And yeah, you brought it up. I mean, you've got the guys inside the state of Texas who are not playing at the University of Texas, right? They're going to the SEC. They're going to Clemson. They're going to Ohio State. And that's just a really, really bad look. That makes things even worse for the Longhorn football program. So yeah, you bring in Urban Meyer and it feels like yeah, that'll probably help the recruiting issues as well because that guy has a proven track record of being able to develop guys into Sunday players. And if you're getting offers by Texas, by Oklahoma, by LSU, by Clemson, by Ohio State... You've got two goals. Your number one goal is to play on Sundays, right? Yeah. How can I turn this into a career? How can I make millions of dollars for playing football? So you want to get developed. You want to get drafted. And then the number two goal is to win in college, right? I mean, it's not like you're one and done with college basketball to where I don't really give a damn about winning. Who's going to pay me? And then who's going to make sure I can get drafted high in the first round? Ah, You're going to be in college for at least three years. You want to be competing for national championships, right? These guys are all competitors and winning is a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, Texas has done a horrible job of both of those things. They're not developing talent as well as those other Blue Blood programs, and obviously they're not winning games. So that's the stuff Urban Meyer has to fix to get Texas really back on track, and I think he's probably the best guy out there to do that, definitely the best guy out there to do that. Just so we're clear, like there's no way, right? Like
0: if Texas goes – and I don't think this is going to happen. If Texas goes up to K-State and wins 35-7 and beats Kansas 51-0, like there's nothing – Tom Herman can do right to be back in 2021 yeah
1: yeah you know we, we did the post game on Friday and somebody called and was like oh let's wait till the end of the season to evaluate Tom Herman it's like dude the season's over yeah. the season's over I mean I hate it for the kids right I'm obviously gonna watch and a lot of Longhorn fans will watch and support over these last two games but like I, I even if Tom Herman wins these next two games over K- State and Kansas 60 to nothing I don't think it should change the narrative by any stretch I mean yeah. his goal he said it this was the year he pointed to this year, despite all the coaching staff turnover, right? The seven new assistant coaches, the two new coordinators that he hired this past off season, despite COVID, despite all that stuff, Tom Herman had repeatedly pointed to this year as being the year where Texas really competes for conference championships and just championships in general. That's the verbiage he used. And with two weeks left in the regular season, Texas has three conference losses and we know they're not even going to have an opportunity to win the conference title this year. So, Yeah, I I don't think what happens over these last two weeks is really going to tip the scales for anybody. Hey, uh, Spartan Barton, you got the best comment of the day,
0: and I'm wondering the same thing. Today's the last day of November. Mm -hmm. Where's the stash, Brad? What's going on? Yeah, I
1: shaved it this morning, actually. I got rid of it this morning, and I wanted it to be a talking point on my radio show here in Austin, and I'm glad it's a talking point here. Go donate, hornfm.com, to our November page, baby. Go donate, because I was worried that are you cold today without that stash? I know, dude. It feels what? weird. I feel five pounds lighter. Um, I mean, I, I, I know I look so much better without it. I mean, that thing is porn stash. That thing is child molester stash. I mean, it is a disaster, dude. And I mean, I just, it, it's probably a good thing that, co- well, I don't want to say it's a good thing that COVID exists, but it's a good thing that I've had to wear a mask over my face for the vast majority of the last month. So people didn't have to see that because it's uh, it was a look for sure. But I was worried that well, if I get rid of it tomorrow, then people will talk about it tomorrow, and I'm not sure the donations still work for November. So I wanted to make sure that people would donate today, and it would be a talking point today because I want the Horn to get credit for those November donations. So HornFM.com. All the money goes to fighting men's health issues, prostate cancer, testicular cancer, also oh. depression and suicide as well, which are all huge issues sure. uh, with men across the world. So if you'd be so kind. And I appreciate the uh, the unintentional opportunity to give me a plug there, Spartan Barton.
0: No, good, good on you and good on you guys at the Horn for uh, for doing that. Could your mother look at you on Thursday, though, during Thanksgiving?
1: Oh, so last year, I grow this thing every year for November. And last year, when I went home for Thanksgiving, my mom's like, you're not getting food if you keep <laughs> this thing on your face. But last year, we had like all the extended family in town. So I think it was more of a Hey, I don't want my son to look like this in front of the extended family. Okay, so please get rid of this thing. But because of COVID this year, it was only the immediate family at the uh, Thanksgiving Day table. So I was the butt end of a lot of jokes. But dude, I I, I like shame. Shame's not a thing for me. I lost all my yeah. shame years ago. So I can uh, I can wear that, and thankfully I was able to to get served and pull it off for the majority of the month.
0: Uh, by the way, Chris Kleiman says that he's hopeful that K-State linebackers Justin Hughes and, and Elijah Sullivan will be ready to play against Texas on Saturday. I, I think I'm going to pick Kansas State, too. And we'll talk more about it on Thursday. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to pick K-State to win that football Man. game. I really do.
1: Yeah, I, I have no idea what Texas is going to look like. I think the Longhorns opened up as a 7.5 point. It's going to be a 1-4 game. It's going to come down uh, in the
0: final two minutes.
1: I mean, it's Texas, dude. It's always Texas, right? That has nothing to do with the Longhorns losing to Iowa State on Friday. Even if they beat the Cyclones and had a shot to get to the Big 12 title game, they'd still find a way to make things very close in Manhattan, even though K-State has obviously taken a turn Taken a turn for the worst. And that was a hell of a game on Saturday night, by the way. Baylor K State's oh, kind of yeah. entertaining football game. John Mayer's, uh, the game winning field goal as time expired for Baylor to get that win. Uh, back and forth affair. Charlie Brewer played a really, really good game for the Baylor Bears. That was a lot of fun. I mean, that was a highly, highly. Yeah, fun it,
0: it was time. the reemergence of Deuce Vaughn. Like, we yeah. haven't seen that Deuce Vaughn for about five games now. And Kansas State was in clear control so many times, man. Two score games and then defensively, they just could not get a stop against Charlie Brewer in in the fourth quarter, man. They they just could
1: not do it. That's weird, right? I mean, I I guess defensively, K-State, look, their last time out, they lost 45 to nothing against Iowa State, and Brock Purdy and Brees Hall were able to do whatever they wanted against K-State. But for the majority of the season, the K-State defense has been really, really solid. And since Skylar Thompson got hurt, You know, that's what's been keeping K-State competitive. But yeah, over these last two weeks, I mean, it makes sense against Iowa State, right? They're the best team in the Big 12. But against Charlie Brewer, who's had a very, very disappointing year, I mean, to allow him to do what he did and obviously allow Baylor to do what they did in the second half of that football game, uh, the K-State defense has kind of lost it as well. And Will Howard, man, I mean, tough situation. Once again, true freshman having to play in this conference, never an easy thing to do. That guy just... Uh, it, you know, he's not giving you a whole lot. Maybe Skylar Thompson comes back next year because he can, right? Because of the NCAA eligibility waiver, so maybe they get Skylar Thompson back at quarterback. But I bet they will. I bet if, they will. If not, yeah, I mean K State's in trouble. They gotta they gotta find somebody who's probably not on the roster because Will Howard just he's a turnover machine. He doesn't look like the guy in the future for them.
0: Yeah, I mean K K State's up what seventeen to six at the half, and I think the complaints amongst K-State fans, which, by the way, we have one in here, Rock West Falls, so he can give us his opinion. I feel like the complaint was, well, K-State never stepped on the throat. Yeah. They, they let off the gas 17-6, and, and I agree with that. The play calling could have been a whole lot more aggressive, but like to defend their coaching staff a little bit, they don't feel like they're great at quarterback, right? So it's like if we've got a 17-6 to lead, We've got to let our defense, the strength of our football team, win this game. Like what I'm saying is I'm almost excusing the Kansas State staff of not stepping on the gas because I I don't feel like – they think that they can with the personnel that they have on offense right now. Yeah. They don't want to make mistakes.
1: After K-State went up 17 to six, their next four drives interception punt, punt, punt. And then Baylor kind of got back into the football game a little bit. So yeah, the offense never applied the dagger as rock West falls says, right? They never stepped on the throats of Baylor and put Baylor away. So yeah, I mean, I'm with you when you don't have a quarterback that you can trust. It's tough. Deuce Vaughn played a hell of a game and maybe the complaints with K-State fans are they didn't give Deuce the rock enough but when, you, when you're when you so one-dimensional on offense because you don't trust your quarterback, it makes it pretty tough to put teams away, right? You want to kill clock, obviously, when playing with the lead, but you also know that hey, you're probably going to need more than 17 points uh, to to win a football game in this league. And you don't have a QB, I guess it's tough to pull off.
0: I, I, I agree, Rock Westfall. Use Deuce more because Deuce yeah. was – he was a – Running game, passing game, he was a huge – I mean, it was the reemergence of him. Again, we hadn't seen that Deuce Vaughn in over a month, and, God, he was he was excellent. I, I thought he was the best player on the field on – the they should have used him more. Yeah,
1: and Joey Deuce Vaughn up there, man. I mean, he's right from right here in Austin. I watched him play a couple of times in high school. He's a hell of a player. And the fact that not only did UT not offer Deuce Vaughn, but, like, no program yeah. in the state of Texas offered Deuce Vaughn, right? AM Texas Tech – Uh, Baylor, SMU, Houston, I mean, nobody offered Deuce Vaughn. K-State did, and as a freshman, I mean, he's getting Darren Sproles comparisons. His freshman numbers are actually way better than what Darren Sproles did in Manhattan his first year. He looks like the real deal man. He hit a little bit of a freshman wall, but you saw on Saturday what he's capable of doing, and I think he's only going to
0: get better. It's kind of funny because everyone in Norman right now is like, Super optimistic about this team. Super optimistic about 2021. Finally getting over the hump. Like OU fans just feel really good where the program's yep. at right now. But there is this level of frustration, and all OU fans are like, "How in the hell did this team lose to that Kansas State team? Like they can't get over. <laughs> like it's like how how did we lose to Kansas State? How did that happen? I have to be like, well, guys, it was a different situation than what it is now. I mean, they did have Skylar Thompson." OU was, like, tremendously out of shape, and I'm not making excuses for OU because Kansas State played a hell of a game, especially in the second half. That was the deuce Vaughn that we're talking about that showed up on Saturday, but there is a frustration level with OU fans that they lost that Kansas State game that is like, wow, that may have cost us a chance to play for the national championship. I think that's going a little bit too far, but people are talking around here about that being, like, one of the, maybe the worst loss in the past 25 years. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, you would obviously know more about that than I would, and you're dead on. I mean, that's a completely different football game because Skylar Thompson played, and obviously Oklahoma hadn't turned into the Oklahoma we've seen over the last month, month and a half. Uh, You feel for Oklahoma State a little bit, man. Uh, Excuse me, for Kansas State a little bit, man, uh, because of the Skylar Thompson injury, right? Chris Kleiman had that thing rolling, and it looked like they were going to be competitive and have a chance to get to the Big 12 championship game. But once Skylar Thompson went off, you know, they kind of treaded water for a little bit. But, you know, without him, without his experience, without his talent, I mean, there's just a tremendous drop off between he and the other guys that K State has. So, uh, tough one, tough one for K State. And yeah, if Skylar comes back next year, then you've got to think K State uh, could be in the mix once again as a top half sure. of the Big 12 type of team.
0: Yeah, um, looking next year at the Big 12, not to get too ahead of things here, because I do want to hit this Tech-Oklahoma State game, but I think Kansas State has a great chance to play for a conference championship next year if Skylar Thompson comes back. I mean, I mean seriously, I, I think Texas is going to be down next year. Um, I think Oklahoma State's going to be down next year. West Virginia's got a chance. Iowa State's got a chance. But Kansas State will probably be picked. I could see them being picked top three, top three,
1: top four preseason next year. Yeah. If they bring back personnel. Yeah. 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 I mean, we'll obviously see what happens, right? Like this is such, this is going to be such an unpredictable off season for college football, which is kind of weird. You know, you don't like, you don't have free agency. I mean, you got the transfer portal. So I guess, you know, sometimes you have some changes in terms of personnel, but uh, because guys are able to come back, right? Normally. All right. This dude's a senior. He's not going to be back next year. So we'll close the book on him and they're going to have to replace that guy. But because everybody can come back if they want to, we're not going to know for sure what these rosters really look like until I assume deep into the off season. I don't know like what the deadline's going to be for when these guys have to announce if they're coming or if they're coming back or not. So that'll be uh, something fascinating to watch this off season for sure.
0: Oh boy. Uh, geez. I tweeted this out on Saturday. I was like, um, why do tech fans want to fire Matt Wells? And I watched that Oklahoma state game and I said, Oh, okay. That's why they want to <laughs> fire Matt Wells. Let's see. Oklahoma state got a safety. Oklahoma State got a pick six and Texas Tech tried a surprise onside kick when they were up in the game and it got returned for a touchdown. Yeah, now, the, <laughs> that was pretty hilarious. Six, the pick six isn't Matt Wells' fault. The safety isn't Matt Wells' fault. But the surprise onside, dude, that is, and that might have cost him the game. Holy freaking crap. What was that
1: on? Yeah, I mean, Tech had just taken a lead, right? They had just gone up 24-21 in the second half of that football game. And it felt like, all right, maybe they've got a chance to beat Oklahoma state for the last three years. It's weird because Oklahoma state's been a pretty quality football team. They've kind of been in the mix uh, in this big 12 and Texas tech has struggled over the last three years, right? The last year of Kingsbury. And then the first couple of years of the Matt Wells era have not gone according to plan for tech fans, but they had beaten Oklahoma state in each of the last two seasons. And it felt like they had a good shot for a large percentage of this game on Saturday to do it again. But yeah, I, I don't know what that was by Matt Wells. Bad decision. I don't know if it's a uh, effort it or out of contention this year. Why the hell not? But you know, you can't you can't make a decision like that. And then we had a couple of weeks ago where we talked about it on this podcast, where Matt Wells down by nine, uh, he kicks a field goal on on a second down and they miss it, and then Iowa or, and then Texas Tech loses. I think that was the TCU game. It was the. Right? TCU where They've got a shot to win that TCU game. They're down by nine, so they need a couple of scores. But on second down, he tries to kick a field goal with a shaky field goal kicker. That was before they made the move to Garibay, who's been rock solid since taking over. Uh, They missed the field goal. And then like two plays later, Max Duggan with a dagger touchdown that also gave TCU the cover in that football game. So I'm sure it cost a lot of Tech fans some money, which probably didn't help uh, Matt Wells gain some love with that Tech fan base. But yeah, very, very questionable decision right there by Matt Wells. And he's had a few of those this year. I don't think he's gone after this year, but uh, I think he's going to be forced to make some changes on his coaching staff, yeah. try to calm the storm a little bit in Lubbock.
0: Yeah, he'll be on the hot seat entering twenty twenty one. I think yeah. um, Oklahoma did not play this weekend. That's because they've got players that have COVID. They've got coaches that have COVID right now, man. And from what I understand, some of those coaches that have COVID like won't be able to like come back to the team until Saturday when they host Baylor. Wow. 7 o'clock kickoff.
1: So that game is still on as of right now, right? I mean,
0: as of right now, yeah. Um, we'll see contact tracing. Like, yeah. it, it'll be a, it'll be a watch throughout the week, man. There's there's no doubt about that. I mean, I'm, I'm not 100% convinced that they're going to play on Saturday. Like, I, I feel like they're going to. I really feel like OU's going to push against this Baylor team to – find a team out there on the field to, to go play this game. But, yep. I'm not. yeah, I'm not 100% convinced it'll happen. Yeah,
1: even if you're not 100%, right, you feel like you can take care of Baylor at home. Even though Baylor's coming off a nice win over K-State, you still feel like that's a game Oklahoma yeah. should win relatively handily. And the Big 12 is out of open dates, right? I mean, they already yep. have three games scheduled for December 12th, including Oklahoma-West Virginia. Texas-Kansas is also – uh, scheduled for that as well. I think uh, OSU-Baylor is that final game. So, yeah, both Oklahoma and Baylor are out of makeup up dates. So, I don't know what you do if you can't play that football game because it feels like the conference championship game is pretty much set in stone for December 19th. So, hopefully they can uh, find a way to make that thing work and not have to cancel it altogether.
0: Uh, by the way, before we get out of here, I want to ask you an impossible question. Uh-oh. If Urban Meyer's not the head
1: coach at Texas, (laughs) you will be. Oh, man. I I don't know. I mean, all of the eggs are in the Urban Meyer basket, and that's a question I'm sure we're going to be talking about a lot on the show here in Austin is what do you do if Urban Meyer says no, right? First of all, Texas cannot screw this up. And I, I never have faith in Texas not screwing things up but I I have faith that Texas won't screw this up. Like if Urban Meyer is not the coach at Texas next year, it will not be Texas's fault. Maybe some rumors will come out out there saying, ah, Texas didn't offer him enough money or they did this or they did that. No, I think I mentioned it earlier. Like so many people, fans, big money donors, boosters, alumni, administration, so many people are all aboard the Urban Meyer train that Texas is not going to screw this up on their end. So I, I think it's going to happen because I think Urban Meyer wants this job. And the people I've talked to believe that he wants this job. And like this would be the only job that he would really come back for. And he's only going to be 56 once. Like everything is kind of in line for Urban Meyer to take this job. But yeah. Obviously, the question is do you try, if Urban says no, do you try Tom Herman out for another year? you give him another opportunity to turn so, things man. around,
0: I don't think so. And, and do you I think hope, it's a
1: wasted year if you do that with yeah. what they have come. It's a wasted year. Man. I know. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a lame duck. <laughs> it's a lame duck coach situation. Excuse me, right? It's Clay Helton at USC, which like the recruiting has faltered and they're still not very good. And it's it's where you that's, don't. That's want a to move. move that can set you back a, a long time. Exactly. And it's like, well, you know, do you hope that next off there's going to be a big time coaching candidate that becomes available? Like, do you wait until something like that happens? And then, Hey, we don't want to pay this $15 million buyout. Maybe Tom Herman can turn things around, but man, I I feel like we're at the point of no return. I agree with you. And I I don't know, right? Like another name that I've thought about a little bit is, is a guy like Chris Peterson who you wouldn't have to pay a buyout for him because he's a coaching free agent, right? He left, he stepped down at Washington last year. He's a guy who's still relatively young in terms of coaching, He's a guy who's had a ton of success everywhere he's been. I mean, he's not as good of a coach as Urban Meyer. And I don't know if that name is going to completely excite the masses here in Austin. But, like, he might be another option that's out there. But, man, I don't know. I, like, Texas fans, they do not want to go with flavor of the month anymore. They don't want to go with a P.J. Fleck type or a Matt Campbell type. I don't know if Matt Campbell would be interested in this job anyways. But uh, I, that's it, it feels like it's Urban or bust, man. And yeah. Yeah, I mean, if they screw this thing up or if Urban Meyer says no, then his program could be set back for another half decade or so.
0: Rich, we're not ignoring you. We'll get to a few more comments before we get out of here. Rich wants to know about Dana Holgerson, the Houston coach. I hate to speak for Texas on this, but I yeah. think right around a uh, 0% chance that uh, Dana Holgerson would even be considered a Texas job. Yeah. I mean, Dana to me is just – he's not even the flavor of the month. It's just I, – I, I don't know what he's ever done to – deserve the the Texas job.
1: No, he's done absolutely nothing to deserve the Texas job. And hopefully it doesn't come down to that, right? Or Texas. I mean, you could argue, and I will argue, that when Charlie Strong was hired, he wasn't the first choice for yeah. Texas by any stretch. They just didn't have a real athletic director at the time. And all the BBs were out of the box, which you could argue they still are here in Austin. But uh, no, I mean, Dana Holgerson does not have nearly enough skins on the wall. And, and look, Texas is going to reach out to everybody. They're going to reach out to Dabo Sweeney going to reach out to Nick Saban. They're going to reach out to Kirby Smart at Georgia. I mean, they're going to reach out to all the biggest names out there and put feelers if Urban Meyer says no. Urban Meyer's the first choice over all of those guys. But Texas is going to try to do whatever they can to make sure that they uh, hit a home run with this hire.
0: Spartan Barton says Ed Orgeron is in a sticky situation at LSU. Maybe Texas can bail him out. Texas should not hire Ed Orgeron. Hey, he had. if, if Texas wants to hire anybody with LSU ties – They should go hire Joe Brady. That's who they should go hire, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I think I prefer Joe Brady over Ed O. But that's another flavor of the month type of guy, right? Like He's never been a head coach anywhere. And his first job would be at the University of Texas, which, you know, the offense would be good. But can he handle everything else that goes into being a head coach at this type of program? We don't know. Uh, Last one from Harrison, and we'll get out of here. Where can you see Tom Herman landing
0: next year when he's fired? Not, Not as a head coach. Here's the thing, man. If you get a big-time head coaching job and you fail, it's really tough to resurface and get another big-time job. Now, Will Muschamp got lucky. Will Muschamp got fired at Florida, and he got to South Carolina. He'll never be another big-time head coach once again. But once you fail at a big-time institution, everybody looks at you and says, why did you fail there? Why did you fail there? And not only did Tom Herman fail at Texas, he acted like a clown most of the time and that's not
1: going to bode well for his future. Yeah, I mean, he I think he could get like a lower-end Power 5 job. Like Vanderbilt just opened up. Tom Herman yeah. could get the Vanderbilt job with ease, but I think he'd probably prefer to be an offensive coordinator at a bigger school and then try to work his way back up to head coach with that route.
0: Yeah. All right, that'll do it for us. Hey, that was the best comment section we've had all year long. Yeah, baby. That was awesome. Welcome in, Rock West Fall. Appreciate, appreciate all our – Regulars like Spartan Barton and Harrison joining us as well. Rich, thanks too. So, hey, let's do it again on Thursday. What do you say? Clear those schedules, all right? I don't care if your kid has a dance recital or some sort of a practice or school or anything like that. Screw that. We're way more important. We'll see you here Thursday, 10 a.m. We're in defense of the Big 12. He's Brad Kellner. I'm Tyler McComas. We'll talk to you then.